are listening to Gaining Christ Audio, a ministry designed to teach the absolute truth of God from the Bible to encourage you in your knowledge of God and His gracious gospel. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Over these next few episodes, we will investigate the universe, how and when the universe and all biological life within the universe actually began, considering what science, mathematics, philosophy, the laws of physics, and the Bible say about this intriguing subject. And to begin our journey in this podcast, we will discuss the mind-boggling size and symmetry of our marvelous universe. As we navigate through our investigation on the origin, cause, and start of our beautiful universe, as well as the biological life contained within it, where we will consider the theories and the assumptions and the scientific evidence and the Bible account, putting it all on the table and coming to a conclusion that is scientifically proven. That will either suggest that this universe self-created some billions of years ago or that it was divinely engineered and supernaturally made by its maker. We want to start by looking at the universe itself and digging into some of the grandeur and the magnificent size of this universe as well as the beautiful symmetry of our universe. So let's start with the size of our universe, starting with the smallest object in our universe that we know of, the atom. This non-microscopical, tiny little compound or element, actually, an atomic structure, very intricate, interesting, systematic in and of itself, which is the building block of all matter in our universe, from your eye and your ear and your body and the device you're listening on to the ground, to the trees, to the flowers and the birds and animals and grass and sky and sun and stars and galaxies moving to the edge of the universe. The building blocks of everything, this teeny atom that's so small that if you lined up a million atoms in a chain, it would be thinner than your average piece of paper. Compounds with a a nucleus of a neutron and protons inside positively charged subparticles with these orbiting electrons of a negative charge. 118 elements composing all the compounds of all of our matter, solid, gaseous, and liquid in our universe. H2O, two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom bonded together to bring the most important substance for life, water, on our planet. Amazing. And then moving up in size to our planet Earth, which is a very large sphere of mass, intricate and unique and systematic in and of itself, 25,000 miles in circumference, part of our solar system, one of the middle planets, 93 million miles away from our sun, Mercury, 41 million miles 
Venus, then our planet, then Mars, then Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, which is 2.7 billion miles away from our sun. And if you include Pluto, which I would include Pluto, I don't know why they kicked Pluto out of the solar system. I don't think that's cool. I would keep Pluto in the solar system. Pluto is 3.7 billion miles away from the sun. And these nine planets spinning around the sun and the gravity of the sun moving in a counterclockwise movement, spinning on their axis, all spinning in a counterclockwise rotation with the exception of Venus, which actually spins clockwise, and Uranus, which spins on its side, interestingly enough, our solar system. And then we have the sun. The sun is a large, amazing object, 2.7 million miles in circumference, 865,000 miles in diameter in the middle of our solar system. And then when you begin to measure space and objects and galaxies, we no longer use miles and kilometers as the distance is too big, so we use light years. How how long does it take light to travel from one place to another? Light travels in one year, as you may know, six trillion miles. Light moves very fast. Light's a very interesting object in and of itself, this photon wave of illumination that moves very rapidly as we have tested on our planet using light, shooting it down a long distance with a mirror, bouncing that light back and then timing the the travel. Light travels on our planet at least at 670 million miles per hour. That's 186,000 miles per second. In one second, light can circle around our planet seven and a half times. It takes light 500 seconds to travel from the sun to your eye. That's eight and a half minutes. In four and a half seconds, light can travel through the diameter of the sun. And the sun is big, but there are bigger stars out there that you can see with your own eyes. If you look into the sky and you look at constellation, one such star that I really enjoy looking at, it's a mind-blowing in size, is a star called Betelgeuse. That is 4,000 trillion miles away, but you can see it with your own eye without a telescope. It's in the constellation Orion, the most obvious of all the constellations or easiest to see, noted by the three belt, the three stars making up the belt. And then when you look at Orion, there's a star to the left corner, star to the right corner, and then two stars at the bottom representing his feet. If you look at the star in the left-hand corner of Orion, it's a reddish-orange color. That star is Betelgeuse, a supergiant, 650 light years away, and you can see it. It's rather large compared to our sun. Our sun is big, as if you filled it with planet Earth, you could put one million Earths inside of our sun. And you can put one billion suns inside of Betelgeuse. Isn't that amazing? And you can see this star 4,000 
trillion miles away. It's so big that it takes light one hour to canvas through its diameter compared to the four and a half seconds it takes to go through the sun. And then all of this is in our Milky Way galaxy, which is a big object, of course, full of 100 billion stars, approximately. Let me ask you a question. Do you know how long it takes light to go through the Milky Way galaxy, traveling at 670 million miles per hour? Well, get this. This is shocking. It takes light 100,000 years to go through the diameter of our galaxy. That is astonishing. And estimates have that there are maybe up to 1 trillion galaxies in our universe, each containing millions to trillions of stars. The nearest galaxy to the Milky Way, not too far away, the Andromeda Galaxy, which is only 2.5 million light years. In a universe that's been measured at 93 billion light years in size. (laughs) A large space of matter that is expanding, growing. Not, Not expanding, not adding new matter or mass into the universe, but expanding like a balloon being blown up, moving forward. Spectacular. If you live or go to a place away from a city, where you have the privilege of looking at the night sky without artificial light around, it is spectacular to see and to gaze into these objects that do not move these stars because they do not orbit. They're just isolated in space, spinning on their axis, and while they look like they're close together, they are millions of light years apart. Amazing or at least hundreds and thousands of years apart. Amazing. But that's not the only amazement, as we could dig further into the size of the universe, but as amazing is the symmetry of our universe, especially the symmetry of our planet Earth, which is a very unique and amazing facility to live in. Our Earth is currently traveling at 67,000 miles per hour, around the sun. So as as we're speaking now, you and I are moving at 67,000 miles per hour. Can you feel it? As well as we're spinning on our on the earth's axis at 1000 miles an hour and we don't even know it because of certain factors and features in our systematic earth. We have the fortune on our planet earth and our symmetrical makeup to have this substance right above the surface of the earth extending 6,000 miles into space known as the atmosphere. Six different layers, each with different functions benefiting life on our planet. The atmosphere, as you may know, protects us from the ultraviolet rays of the sun. And the Atmospheric pressure, the pressure, the air pressure of our atmosphere is beneficial for water in its liquid form existing and being transported through our atmosphere, as we'll see in a moment. And it also serves to stabilize the temperatures of our planet to make it livable. The average temperature on the planet Earth 
is 61 degrees Fahrenheit. Very livable average. Not like our neighborhood brother Mercury, where the temperature during the day in Mercury can reach 800 degrees Fahrenheit, while at night the temperature drops radically to a negative 300 degrees Fahrenheit. 1100 degree difference in one day on Mercury. Venus, on the other hand, has an atmosphere as Mercury does not have an atmosphere. But Venus has an atmosphere, yet it's such a dense atmosphere that it traps the heat within. So temperatures in Venus can get as high as 900 degrees Fahrenheit with an 880 degree average that would melt, melt lead. And further interesting symmetrical features of our wonderful planet Earth is this magnetic field that we have on our planet that protects us significantly. Literally, in the core of our planet, we have a liquid magnet with a north and south pole that provides incredible protection for our planet. Liquid iron in the center of our planet sending magnetic a magnetic field out of our south pole wrapping around our planet like butterfly wings and then coming back into the north pole a magnetic field which on one side facing the sun extends 40,000 miles away from the earth and on the other side away from the sun almost 400,000 miles protecting our planet from solar particles and solar flares, and solar winds that would destroy life. And as you know, serving as the first GPS device on our planet, the compass, where that metal arrow in your compass points in the direction due to the magnetic field of the North and South Pole. Amazing. What a privilege that this is just somehow part of our our earth and this symmetry for us to live. And the sun itself is very symmetrical and beneficial to the operation and life on our planet. A hydrogen fusion, hydrogen atoms compressing and fusing, forming helium in this nuclear fireball reactor, bringing the energy for life and sustenance in our planet. A very hot, entity at the core somehow we can measure the temperature of the sun i don't know how they do it but they actually can do it on the surface 10,000 degrees fahrenheit and in the center 27 million degrees a a violent yet crucial beautiful symmetrical object in our universe providing life for you and me and all plants and animals in our world the good news is that we are 93 million miles away from the sun because if we were 1 million miles closer or further away, the earth would be uninhabitable. And the gravity of the sun literally flings the earth around in this yearly orbit as we're the only livable planet due to our temperature and water supply. And further symmetrical in our universe 
is our little moon that orbits us, traveling at 2,300 miles per hour as the moon is in the sky 240,000 miles away, which is interesting because with the sun being 93 million miles away, have you noticed that the sun and the moon are the same size in the sky? Very interesting how literally they're the same size. That's why you get a, a perfect solar eclipse by the moon. They're the same size. That's because the sun is 400 times larger than the moon, but yet at the same time, 400 times further away from the earth and the moon, making them the exact same size in the sky from the planet earth. And have you ever wondered when you look at the earth? I've wondered this. I've, I mean, excuse me, looked at the moon. I've never been able to look at the earth from the moon. That would be cool. I would like to do that. But you can look at the moon from the earth. And um, have you ever wondered why it seems like every time you look at the moon, you look at the same side of the moon, like it's the same face of the moon every time? You know why that is? Because you're actually looking at the same side of the moon every time you look at the moon. That's because the moon orbits the earth every 27.3 days. But rotates on its axis every 27.3 days as well. Therefore, equalizing the rotation and the orbit, leaving the same face and side of the moon facing the earth every time. And as the scientist Isaac Newton, who discovered the laws of gravity, basically, who was a Christian and believed in the Bible, and believe the Bible storyline on the origin of the universe, he said that the moon falls around the gravity of the earth. Literally, it's falling around the earth, just like we fall around the sun. And the gravity of the moon is quite influential and important in the symmetrical life and ability for us to even be here as you know, the earth has gravity. That's why you're standing on the ground and you can't jump and stay in the air. Well, there's gravity on the moon, but the mass of the moon is far less. So is the gravity. That's why the astronauts, when they walk, they kind of almost leaped in the air, if you will. Well, this little gravity of the moon has big influence and benefit to our planet as it pulls the tides of the ocean. The reason we have tides, as you know, is that the gravity of the moon is literally pulling the water and influencing the water, which is paramount to our ecosystem and plant life in the water and plant life and animal life in the world. And the gravity of the moon actually pulls our planet Earth into a tilt of 23.5 degrees from a perfect perpendicular 90 degree non-tilt to a 23-degree tilt, which is the cause of our seasons. In the northwest hemisphere, which the United States is in, we are actually closer to the sun in the winter and further away from the sun in the summer. But the tilt of the earth at that time creates the cool temperatures for the lack of direct sunlight, hence giving us the winter. And the gravity of the moon actually stabilizes the rotation of the earth. If it were not for the moon, our planet would wobble in its 
own rotation. And the moon's gravity slows down the spin of our planet to a point that it it leaves us with reasonable wind speeds on our planet Earth. Certainly, tornadoes and hurricanes can blow up to 200 miles an hour, but on average, we don't have devastating wind speeds. But without the moon, we would have devastating wind speeds and unbearable climates and no seasons at all. And we'd be, we would also be in pitch complete darkness at night. Because as you know, we have a natural nightlight in the sky. Right now it's nighttime where I am and it's daytime in Australia. As the sun is shining on Australia, we have no sun on the backside of the earth, but we can see the moon lit up because obviously the sun is reflecting off the moon, providing us enough light to where we can navigate and walk and see even without artificial light during the middle of the night. Without it, it would be pitch black. And then to conclude, we must mention the water cycle, which is fascinating. You know, I have a bottle of water here, which literally, this water could be 6,000 years old that I'm drinking. That's because we have a solar-powered water recycling program on our planet, literally. A perpetual watering system that is solar-powered. We don't add really any new water supply to our planet. We just recycle it. The rain that we get is recycled water from the already existing water on our planet. Isn't that amazing that this systematic water supply is just part of our operation? It's spectacular. And so it works like this. You have waters and oceans. Oceans make up most of our planet's surface, of course, and rivers and lakes and glaciers and frozen water and ice and whatnot. Well, as the sun heats the water, the water evaporates. And then there's water that comes even out of plants, which is a maybe 10% of the entire water supply that evaporates up into the sky. And then what happens is as it cools, the water molecules break down. The hydrogen bonds between the water molecules break and they literally start to form clouds of condensation. And then this condensation as it's cooling begins to collect again and get heavier and heavier and then it falls out of the clouds bringing precipitation and rain to our planet. And then that rain hits the ground. It is it is it is absorbed by plants. It runs into rivers and streams that run into oceans, into lakes, etc. And then underground springs. And then is evaporated back up by the heat into clouds to start the cycle all over again. It's fascinating. And then as these clouds are in the sky, we have these wind patterns or wind currents that blow the clouds to other destinations. So the ground can be watered there. And then photosynthesis, where the sun is hitting green plants and the water is being absorbed through the root like a straw system by these plants. And the carbon dioxide in the air that they breathe in mixed with the chlorophyll in the planet in the, in the plant leaf produce a glucose carbohydrate that they use for food. And then they exhale as they breathe oxygen. 
Just think about that as you're in your garden. You should thank your plants and they should thank you because as you are breathing in the oxygen that they're exhaling, they're breathing in the carbon dioxide that you're exhaling. Isn't that fascinating? What are the chances that things would work like this? Just think about it. What are the chances that our earth would work this symmetrically? This place of biological life is sustained and, caught and, 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 and protected by this magnificent symmetrical earth that we live and all the features of it, which we could go on for days in this gigantic, beautiful, astronomical and sized universe. Where did all this come from? How did it get started? Did it just start itself? The Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaim his handiwork. The first sentence in God's word is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God says, I created all these stars. I stretched out the heavens with my own hands. I even know all the stars by name. On the other hand, there's philosophical theories, most predominant, the Big Bang Theory, which suggests that all this size and symmetry was started by itself billions of years ago. And so in our next episode, we will carefully and fairly look at this philosophical theory known as the Big Bang Theory, which is the world's or some people's explanation of the origin and cause and start of our beautiful systematic universe. And we look forward to that. We thank you very much for listening. We hope that this message has been encouraging to you in some way. We hope you have a great week and spread the word.